One day you'll be blind like me. You'll be sitting there, a speck in the void, in the dark, forever like me. One day you'll say to yourself, I'm tired. I'll sit down. And you'll go and sit down. Then you'll say, I'm hungry. I'll get up and get something to eat. But you won't get up. You'll say, I, I shouldn't have sat down, but since I have, I'll sit on a little longer. And then I'll get up and get something to eat. But you won't get up and you won't get anything to eat. You look at the wall a while, then you'll say, I'll close my eyes, perhaps have a little sleep. After that, I'll feel better. And you'll close them. And when you open them again, there'll be no wall anymore. Infinite emptiness will be all around you. All the resurrected dead of all the ages couldn't fill it. And there you'll be like a little bit of grit in the middle of the step. Yes, one day you'll know what it is. You'll be like me, except that you won't have anyone with you because you won't have had pity on anyone and because there won't be anyone left to have pity on. The theater, the theater. Theater. To be or not to be. Theater. Theater. I uh, want to start out uh, before we get into anything else with a big thank you to the legendary, the brilliant Leon Russom for his performance uh, in the uh, cold open of Ham's monologue from Samuel Beckett's Endgame as part of our Samuel Beckett series. Leon, thank you for being brilliant. Thank you for joining us on this uh, Theater Theater podcast. If you don't know who Leon is, he is a legend. He's been on Broadway. He's a legend in L.A. theater community. He's been in movies. You probably know him from The Big Le Bowski or A Quiet Place, been in Star Trek. Uh, look him up on IMDb. If you don't know who he is, you know who he is. You've seen him a million times. Leon Russom, thank you so much. Now we get back into part two of our discussion of Samuel Beckett here on Theater Theater Pod. Yeah! Oh my God. It's, uh, we've now just gotten to punchy. <laughs> just punchy. Punch, um, punch. Closest. It's a weird day. Like it's 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 like the president of the United States is in the hospital. Yeah, and we're not quite sure why. Yeah, and like we're not quite sure what's <laughs> going on as we record this. Yeah, so uh, it's just what it's today a weird is day. October third. It's a weird. Also, energy. it's October, <laughs> and as I recall, yesterday was February. That's <laughs> like, right. Yeah, like, yesterday was February second. Yeah, today is October third. It's leap year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is how that works. Um, welcome to Theater oh, Theater, welcome. the theater podcast for theater people made by three theater nerds, turds, 
From the LA theater scene, uh, I'm Jay Bailey uh, Bertram. I'm CJ Merriman. <gasps> I'm Scott Leggett. You guys hear that? Yeah, I totally hear that. What, what? was that? Oh, that was a blast of music from somewhere. All right. It's yeah, well, we should tell it's, them oh, where bro, we are. It's a ghost, dude. It could be a ghost. Because where are we at right now? We're at the ever-haunted Pasadena Playhouse. Welcome. Welcome. Hey, don't be taunting them like that. <laughs> <laughs> just, are you, you just taking a dump? Just makes man dad sounds like. Just like <laughs> actually, uh, crazy story is we're actually sitting right next to a little trap door under that bust of a woman's head. There's a trap door, and it's where Gilmore, the old owner, used to sneak in so that people wouldn't know that he was in the house watching shows. I love that shit. Isn't that amazing? Wow. This makes me want, want. I want us to record at the Winchester Mystery House sometime. Yeah, Can we get that okay, in the yeah, books. Sure. That has nothing to do with anything we're talking about but i would still do it so yeah let's do it yeah yeah. guys the music again what is that it's it sounds like it's coming from this room yeah but it's not it's not okay well if you hear music randomly blasting just know that uh it's probably a ghost now uh (laughs) this is our second episode of our mini series waiting for puddo waiting for puddo Pado, Pado, Pado. Pado. Uh, Pado. And it's uh, we had a really fun, silly uh, first episode. We were yeah. in a mood, and I feel like we're still in that mood. Meow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just weird times, and we're talking about absurdism and existentialism. And, yeah. uh, and the meaning- uh, meaninglessness a, of life. The meaninglessness, yeah. just, just the... The repetitiveness, the re- the insanity of it. The repetitiveness. Repetitivity. The repetitiveness. The repetitiveness. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Well said. So, you know, we talked a lot about Godot last time. It's, you know, obviously a massive part of the theater world. Everyone has some kind of attachment to it in some way, even if you hate it. Uh, there's spoofs, there's all these other things, but then he's got these other works. And Scott, you were kind of saying this off mic, you feel like it's it's almost sad that we only get to do four deep dives. Right. You know, because there's, first of all, novels beyond novels, but he also, in his later life, was writing tons of stuff. Very he female He was writing heavy tons stuff. of stuff, and he was, his, the focus of his plays started to be about, well, using women and, and, sure. and, and having a woman's voice deliver where he was at. And that had a lot to do with he, he lost his mom later yeah. in life. He'd had a lot of conflict with his mother, but he also right. adored her and respected her. And so there's a lot, you can hear a lot of um, his mother in Winnie in mm. happy days. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wondered, um, yeah, we'll God, I love happy days. It's I can't sad. wait to talk about that. Um, so, so where are we in the timeline? Okay, so sure, he did Godot. Sure. What's next? So, uh, so right after Godot, he follows it up uh, with um, in 1956 and 1957 with uh, Act Without Words one right. and Act Without Words two. Yes, I which have I have right seen here. only one time, and you could see him playing with stuff. He just isn't. It just it doesn't quite hit for me. Um, right. But I'm, I'm I haven't to be fair seen a great production of it either. It was a it was like, oh, a college is going to try and right. get into You're talking about acting it. without words? <laughs> uh, You're talking about acting without words? One? Yeah. One specifically? Or did you, they do both? I saw both. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, okay, cool, yeah. cool. 
But then um, after that, uh, we get Endgame. Whoa. And, that Another great the, Avengers what's movie? Funny is he the Avengers he, movie. The final film in the MCU, you know, Infinity Saga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's the Iron Man saves Spoiler the world. alert. Iron Man dies in this yeah. play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does he? Yeah. And you know, his parents this, are in trash cans. This play actually hit me really fucking hard on this time around. I, oh. I directed a, uh, the opening for a directing class years ago and really fell in love with it. And I've never seen this play except for the one, I think, PBS or Beckett on Beckett one that mm-hmm. is filmed. I've seen that, but I had never seen this live. But rereading it this time, it really hit me because I've been I've been watching a lot of documentaries, specifically this documentary, uh, Kiss the Ground, that Woody Harrelson just came out with on Netflix about global warming and about mm. oh, like yeah. what we can do yeah, and yeah. composting and like how soil is key and all the, and carbon emissions and like all this stuff. Really phenomenal doc. I highly recommend it. But I've it just got me in that sort of mode of like fuck. What will it look like when this whole country is a desert because we can't stop mm-hmm. like factory farming and, right. and and pesticides and like all that stuff and that's what Endgame feels like it's like they're in a bunker almost looking outside of a window and on the outside is just desert and mm-hmm. just nothing and the whole mm-hmm. world is gone and that's how I read it anyway I've heard well, other takes on it but that's sure. my read of it and I mean you know th- th- this is an immediate response to World War II and the destruction right. and you know I think mm-hmm. we forget because we didn't Americans didn't experience this, but the entire continent needed to be rebuilt. It was all under reconstruction for a lot of it. But I think that what you just said is a testament to the longevity of the play, uh, of all of his work. Yeah. Can be talked about for a long, long ass time because... Yes, that absolutely, and the, the the state of the environment and the the, the climate crisis is is absolutely echoed. Right. But it also has to do with the making our own destruction. Yes. You know, and, mm-hmm. and Whereas Godot feels like it takes place in the void, yeah, like in a place that doesn't really exist, a type without space or time. Right. Th- this feels like a post-apocalyptic Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how and, this feels, and, and it'll be fascinating to see in twenty-five years. Yeah. You know, hopefully by then, knock, knock still some here. fucking wood. You know, we've yeah. dealt with the climate crisis a little bit, <laughs> and it's some other dipshits, whatever thing right. that's right. happening. You know, probably, anybody, probably, sadly, population. Does anybody have like a one sentence that you could get at, like of Endgame, like what this is about? I feel like this one's CJ. Do you, do you have do that? Do you have your synopsis? Siege? It's, it's funny, but let's hear it. Yeah, an old blind dude in a wheelchair is shitty to his manservant and shitty to the ghosts of his parents who are in trash cans in his living room. That's exactly <laughs> that's it. it. So that's, that's all we need to say well, on Endgame I mean, because I, that is the exact plot. Well, they're not ghosts; they are. Literal. They are, in fact, just his parents. But I, you could read it that way. Sure. I think well, because I think I said ghosts because yeah, I, I've now seen it three times: once yeah. live and twice filmed versions yeah. and they're all just their faces are painted white and their eyes are you know like hollowed out and stuff which I'm like they're ghosts yeah, yeah I think that's also there's an interesting sort of like people tend to equate Beckett stuff with like a Burton style almost Tim, Tim, Tim Burton style where totally they're like with ah. Endgame yeah they're like oh I, I must paint them all white and, ma- and, <laughs> and make the manservant like uh, really extra Edward Scissorhands looking you mm-hmm. know Johnny Depp looking and it's like no wait, that's not yeah, you can do that. That's a take, but like I think, and it also interesting take that they're ghosts, that they're like specters, mm. and therefore are just in these trash cans. Yeah, that's because an interesting take. I got I got a little bit of vibe of like 
sins of the father type of thing. Sure. Like oh, yeah. dealing with your past. Yeah. Dealing with the stuff your parents have left you with, whatever that means. But if you keep feeding, feeding them biscuits, they'll shut up. Yeah. Endgame obviously is a reference to like chess, right? I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I would yeah, assume. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, when you're in the end final game. Move. It's the final thing. Yeah. And just that, like I, Dr. Strange said, you know, we're in the end game now. It, the idea is like, we're in the final, like we're, we're in the last breath. Yeah. If this happens, then this. And that's I mean, all we can do And that's do now. what we get to. Clove, Clove finally, Clove, yeah. after God knows how long, Clove does something. Right. I, fa- I found this fascinating in terms of how he developed it. The idea that he, he felt that this was his masterpiece. This, he's, everything clicks here. And that Godot becomes, excuse me, Godot. 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 Becomes, I'm trying to get over the Americanization of it. But the, it became... The, his money maker. Yeah. <laughs> so he was always fond of it, but he felt like he he really nailed everything with with Endgame. But Endgame it's has like, a lot a name, of what's his name that played Obi Wan Kenobi. He's oh, like you yeah, and I also played Lear. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> motherfuckers, <laughs> get the kids off my fucking lawn. Uh, you know, yeah. He couldn't remember. How, like, there's a le- there's letters that he wrote where he. He's like, I, I don't know what's happening, um, but there's this young man, Harrison Gord. I don't know. His, like, he couldn't remember Harrison Ford's name, which is just like how little he thought of everything. Um, Endgame's phenomenal. It is, Big you know, fan. and I think it's about dehumanization, you know. Sure. Um, and I think he was responding to what he saw in France and, and with the Holocaust and right. why he became a part of the... And also this idea of like, you know, when the world does erupt and you're sitting in your bunker and, and you know, everyone outside is gone, like, does your shit matter anymore? Does yeah. your pre-life matter anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you putting so much stake into that mm-hmm. when right. at some point you're just going to be a fat man in a bunker? Right. That's with, interesting. With your parents in trash cans. You know, and yeah. <laughs> that's my take. Well, yeah, and just the idea of suffering that yeah. to exist is to suffer. There's the line, you know, is he crying? Well, then he's alive. Like yeah, that. right. <laughs> yep. And, and but there's you know all these you know, sort of themes like you, there's like decay, mm-hmm. like the world decaying around you, and there's just and the, just being trapped in sort of rapidity. And doing the same routine. The repetitivity. Rapidity. The bevity bobbity. You've said you've seen Endgame. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have too. Mm-hmm. We saw times. the same production. I mean, I'm sure Scott's seen it a million Professionally. times. I've seen like I've seen two productions of it. Professionally. Yeah. Mm, yeah. On the level of yeah. at least like a 99, like Fools level. Yeah. You said Fools did it. Fools did Fools it. Fools did it. It was yeah. at the old space still. Yeah. On, How many uh, years ago? Heliotrope. Huh? Um, How many years ago was that? This is mm, less I than mean, 10. Eight, we moved in 2016. 10. Yeah, I mean, it, it must have been 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, but Leon Russom was in it. He was Ham. As Ham. And, and then Paul really... Plunkett and Tiffany were Nag and Nell, right? 
No, Paul directed it. Paul directed Tiffany it. Designed it. Did the set design. Why did I think I remember seeing them popping out of the trash cans? I guess not. Everybody popped out of the trash cans at some point. I just you know? the main, right. the thing that I remember the most about that show and that set was the ceiling of the room was like paper or something because there was lighting fixtures that were shining through the ceiling down onto the stage. Right. And it, whenever we came in for serial killers every weekend, it was like, do not touch do the not, fucking do not ceiling. Look at it it do is not very fragile. It. It'll be impossible to fix. And then when the show closed and we had the last serial killers there on that stage, someone threw an enormous prop through the ceiling at the end of the <laughs> show. Just busted it open. But it was, a good, it was a really good production. Yeah. And uh, then I'd seen a regional thing, a regional production of it in a few years earlier. I just, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's heavy and it it doesn't have quite the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, the humor of 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 Godot. Oh, I, th- I mean, it's got humor. I can disagree it does, with that in a way. It's yeah, not quite as much, and it's a little I, heavier for me. I actually think, just like in Godot, I think there's, oh, I think you know, a lot of the physical comedy in Godot you miss while you're reading. Like it, right. it does say it in there, like he checks his shoe. But the actor checking the shoe, mm-hmm. the way they do it, the minutia that right. they put into it is what makes it brilliant, right? right? So, which is why like Robin Williams isn't as funny doing it because he does it giant, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah. you know. But like, I yeah. need that small whatever. But with Endgame, I think Clove is the ultimate like physical comedy role. You could go really far with that, with the walk with the way that he's checking outside. I think a lot of people tend to go like dark with Endgame. They're like, this is weird and creepy. It's the Scriker. It's, yeah, yeah, right? You know, it's Tim Burton. And I'm like, no, it's the Scriker. It's the Scriker. That's oh, a, yeah. The Carol Churchill play, right? Where it feels that way, where it's like, oh, it's this kind of way. And I'm like, no, I, I, I yes, it, it's in that world. But I think it's more just like, that it's just nothing land. Yeah, that's the trap of it. This yeah. is every day. This is every this day is for their, them. It's every, yeah. been every day for them for years There's and nothing years creepy years. about it. No. The people coming the out new, of the trash cans is to... jarring to us, but is it to them? No. Is it creepy to them? No. Mm-hmm. So don't make it this like creep fest. It's not a Halloween show. Mm-hmm. I I think t- people just tend to take it that way. Because it does. it also gets the things they talk about get a little you know, horror-esque mm-hmm. and, you know, I guess. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I, I do slightly remember seeing the Fool's production and, and knowing nothing about Endgame whatsoever, sitting down to watch it and having a sense of dread. Yeah. Because I knew there was a man underneath that blanket. Uh-huh. And it just, yeah, it's just dirty and grimy in there. And I just, I don't know why. I just sat down and I'm like, what the fuck's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah, yeah. You know, I I think that's that's fine. That's fair. Like, yeah, that's kind of a good place to start with. And then you play if you play it as a sitcom, you right. know, and push it that way. I think you have to. Yeah, I think that'd be so I fun. Think you absolutely have to. Yeah, the tragic comedy, you know, tragic comedy, like all of that's in there. What's not evident in Beckett's stuff is the humor. Uh, uh, I'm not saying that right. We're going to get the, the horror. We're going to get the depressing. We're going to get the, the right. tragedy. Um, the comedy you need to work a little bit harder on, but it's also pretty fun when you start you know, playing around. Like, yeah, I mean, isn't that the whole point? Is that at some, po- at some point it gets so absurd that you just have to laugh. I mm-hmm. think this is a line from Endgame. It might be from Happy Days. 
but I'm pretty sure it's from Endgame. I just I wrote it down and didn't say what it was from during my readings. Nothing is funnier than unhappiness. I grant you that. Yes, yes, it's the most comical thing in the world. And we laugh, we laugh with a will in the beginning, but it's always the same thing. Yes, it's like the funny story we have heard too often. We still find it funny, but we don't laugh anymore. Mm. Mm. And it's, I think, uh, well, I'll leave that where it is. I was about to say, yeah. I was about to dissect that, but I think you can take what you want from that because mm-hmm. yeah, it's, no, it's a really I interesting think, quote. You know, I think yeah. that's from Endgame. Mm. What's after Endgame? I also had one Endgame question for y'all too. Yeah, hit, hit, hit it. What's your Endgame question, Siege? So I watched the 1989, which I'm guessing was the PBS. Probably. Um, and it looked like, they were filming a stage production of it. Yeah, Um, I've seen that one. um, And then there's one that was made in 2000, which I think was a little, I mean, it was supposed to be a film, so it's set up a little bit differently, and that was the one with Michael Gambon in it. And and Lupin. I have seen Thulis. Uh, Thulis, yeah. David Thulis, who I think may be the most underrated English-speaking actor. God, he's great. He's phenomenal. He's he's great. If you haven't seen Naked, which was his right. kind of big breakout. Yeah, he's got a couple other things. Um, yeah. So I remember... Ni- last year that fucking blew my mind. What? I can't even think of it. I'll look it up. Go ahead. Um, so the 1989 version was reminiscent of the one we did at Fools because the thing that I remember between Leon and Norman... Norman Baton, Beaton, that played the guy yeah. that played Ham right. in the movie, um, was a very specific speech pattern. And it was very kind of like methodical mm. a little bit. And you could tell that the lines were said that way because they were supposed to be said that way. Mm. And it made it, for me, it just made it a little hard to focus and and hear the words. Now in the 2000 version, it's everybody. is It's just way more conversational. Right. And I followed it a little bit better. Mm. Is one way or the other way correct? I haven't... I- no, I think that that must have been a choice. Okay, you know it's weird because he he puts he puts all these rules on on his shows and on the actors and and all that, but then you have all this freedom to to well, make yeah. those choices, and I, I that sounds like a choice to me. No, yeah, because okay. I think actually what you're thinking of it says something like he has a in the script it says something like his voice is. Because this is what of, I haven't read. I've only watched right. it. Right. But in the script, it says something like, the, his voice is that of, I mean, I could find it, I guess, but like, uh, you know, uh, wood scraping against gravel or something like that. Uh-huh. So it's sort of like a choice to be like, oh, that means to me this thing. Or uh-huh. it doesn't say that exactly. It's nothing like that. But I'm, I'm trying to think. I see this. what you're saying, though. But yeah, it's the way, it's sort of like, he, it feels stunted. Okay. Like he's traumatized uh-huh. is yeah. how it sort of describes it. Like he's been hit too many times kind of thing. Okay. So that's a way to take it. But again, if it's distracting, that's not good. You know, you want it, it to be character. It wasn't bad. It was just different. Yeah. That's all. Interesting. There's a couple, just a couple of quotes and moments. Um, the idea of laughter in the face of desolation is, is just this theme that strikes me throughout every time I've seen it. It's this... That you again going back to this idea that you can play that funny. The, Nell's line: "There's nothing more comical than unhappiness." Yeah, um, yeah. And then my is line is the the line I read is the next line. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the idea that procreation sucks and it's stupid and it's horrible for everybody, parents and children. <laughs> like this theme of just like 
family doing doing stuff to itself and, mm-hmm. and I just uh, um but anyway uh anything else on on end game no nope uh the next one and the it, 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 rewatching it made me weep was crap's last tape um again i think that this is an example of you know, one when i watched it the first time i got to see it which was like in my mid 20s and just being astounded by the actor holding the stage. I saw it was a great uh, regional production. I saw it in Philadelphia, hmm. of all places, and and just the watching how the tape worked and how the actor worked with the tape machine, and there kind of being a love story between the man and the machine, mm-hmm. and and all that stuff. But watching it this time, um, it's it's so much about well, it's about regret. But it's about getting older um, and aging. And I, I guess it just struck me at this point in my life, being in my 40s and, and kind of finding it. Um, CJ, do you have a one sentence? I do. Yeah. A 69-year-old dude contemplates his 39-year-old self while listening to recordings of his younger self. Yeah. Basically, yeah. 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 Uh, the only production I've ever seen of this is the filmed Hurt, John Hurt. You haven't mm. seen the original McGee, no. Patrick McGee? No, because he wrote it for him. Like, right. That's the other interesting thing is, yeah, this is the one that he wrote specifically for an actor because right. of his Patrick, voice. Patrick, what's yeah. his name? Pat, what was his name? The original Patrick McGee. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, who you know, people would know from like Kubrick's Clockwork Orange and Barry Lyndon. He's in both of those. Yeah, but he just has this voice. It, it's very. It's it's just and. So Beckett heard him, they had done a reading, uh, a radio reading of one of his novels, and Patrick McGee had been cast in that, and Beckett heard it and was like, I'm going to write you this this thing. And so for years, for a couple of years while he was working on it, it was simply known as the McGee monologue play. Right. And, <laughs> and I just, you know, it was just so cool. Yeah. it's uh, the, the John Hurt one is pretty phenomenal. Um, and Adam McGoyan directed that yeah, yeah. version. And, and I rewatched that when uh, John Hurt passed, like, Ugh. what, one or two, two or three years ago, whenever John Hurt passed away. I watched, I rewatched that craps because I was just like, fuck, I need to watch that. It's, it's phenomenal. This is a play I'd really, I, I know I couldn't um, do for a long time, direct or be in. I don't think any of us could for a while. Yeah. Um, we need some decades on us, but. I will do someday. Yeah, absolutely. I think you will too. You know, it's kind of just like, yeah. oh, I gotta, I gotta do that someday. Yeah. Even if it's just for me and three friends come and watch it, <laughs> I just, I have to learn it. I want to learn it and room. I want to do it and I want to record all that shit. Oh God. What if I recorded it now? <gasps> <gasps> well, but you're not 39 there, yet. There was a, a production. Huh? You're not 39 yet. That's true. <laughs> you could do it. I could do it. Do it now. And then now and in then 20 years or 15 years. What a production. Years That'd be fun. Let's Oof. do it. It's like boyhood. It's like a yeah. fucking link later, but theater. <laughs> let's Guys, do let's do it. Um, this is probably his most personal play. Uh, you know, I felt and, like he was kind of writing about himself or yeah, something. Yeah, for bit. sure. And um, also his most realistic play. Yes. Weirdly. Yeah. I mean, for how theatrically, you know, how it not linear or plot. Or character driven. Well, it's fully character driven. Right. It's only character driven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and and there's just so many like weird little quirks, and there's there's just these heartbreaking lines. Him hearing himself say those words, 
but it's you know it's I think it's a love story and it's you know it's dynamic and it's interesting it's about regret but it's also about kind of the opposite too it, yeah right? it's reflection on yeah, the reflection it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah do I like I regret that but would I be here but would, would I be, be am, to, yeah. where I'm supposed but to but am I happy here yeah. where I am it kind of struck me too at one point he was listening to himself in the tape talk about his younger years in the tape and that I right. thought that like That's being cool. a much younger man and I and how he wouldn't trade his youth he wouldn't go back to being young again for anything and I thought that was pretty interesting. I I'd never read this. Some a big theater in LA did it like two years ago. I think like, I think Mark Taper formed. Mm, it. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was CTG or somebody. It. Oh, it might have been CTG. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well no, they do Mark Taper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is Mark Taper. Um, and it was very. I didn't see it. It was very popular. I know a lot of people were stoked about it. I this this they had this as an audio book on Scribd and. The voice, the guy's voice on it was great. Great little, I Jim, Jim Norton. I don't know if that's the right sure. name or not. But I remember the parts, because I actually went back and listened to it again. I didn't realize it was such a short play. Yeah. And then it was over. I was like, oh, oh, it's over. And I went back and listened to it again. My favorite moments in it were in the recordings, his younger self starts laughing about something. And yeah. then the older guy joins in with him yeah uh-huh. i like with that the stuff. laughter i those were like my favorite oh, yeah. moments oh, in the... for sure john hurt hits those moments real nice <sighs> i gotta oh, watch that john gotta hurt all of really so yeah all of it <laughs> i always think of him first actually as the storyteller from jim henson's the storyteller mm. did you I've ever watch that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's one of my it. favorite tv shows when i was a kid and it's it's just john hurt in really great makeup uh <laughs> with like a big nose and everything and he's got a amazing Muppet dog who's like incredible and he just reads like old stories myth stories and and uh, stories of grim fairy tales and things like that whatever and then they're acted out by puppets Muppets. okay but not the Muppets right but, but Jim puppets, Henson yeah. characters right. very lab labyrinth looking uh-huh. and like dark crystal looking it is. It's on Netflix. It's I recommend fantastic. it. Even in your adulthood, you will enjoy this. Oh yeah, it's All the Henson Jim Henson so at his back. Best. So well yeah. done. Fraggle Rock is on Hulu, I think. Oh, I love Fraggle. Which was it, totally it has my a very childhood. Fraggle Rock uh, vibe to it. Like not 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 in energy and tone, obviously, but in the way that the because it's Henson. You cool. know, it's him doing his thing. Down it's the Fraggle shit. Rock. Down Fraggle Rock. Clap clap. Oh, so there was an interesting thing I found. Um, Beckett directed uh, a production in 1975 of this. Um, right. This is the. Is this at a theater or was this for the filming of no, Beckett directing? No, this is for. Beckett. This is at a okay. theater. Yeah. Cool. In Paris, uh, Pierre Chabert was mm, the name of the yeah. actor. Um, and he uh, he told him uh, to become as much. Uh, as much as possible, one body with the machine. Mm. The spool is his whole life. Spool. And that sure. was that was the focal point of the direction. Um, where's the? There's I a like couple that. quotes that just. Um, uh, Perhaps my best years are gone, but I wouldn't want them back. Not with the fire that's in me now. Mm. Mm. You know, that's it, nice. It's just it's just beautiful and it's lyrical, and you can really hear his Irish. His sure. Irishness coming through mm-hmm. in it, and, yeah. Um, 
and I do think um, I am Beckett reincarnated. By the way, have I told you guys that? Oh my god! He died right before I was born, so like in a way, he hopped into your baby body. Yes, I think there's like a six month sort of like just period. Back. Yeah, and J-B-H then he backs. entered my mother's womb. Uh, mm-hmm. Gross. And then <laughs> I uh, was born, and uh, I believe. Well, I wasn't born. Mm-hmm. Just like him, I wasn't born. Right. Okay. Um, and I think that he and I uh, are, are, are one. That's what I think. How Great. nice for you. Yeah. <laughs> How nice for you. <laughs> they don't believe me. Um, what was the other thing? Oh, we didn't talk about, um, or did we? Did we talk about Patrick McGee? The, yeah, we did. Yes, we did. Yeah. Jesus um, Christ. But yeah, John Hurt. Harold Pinter has done a famous Harold version. fucking Pinter. That was yeah. th- that was the That's picture cool. on Wikipedia. It was of right. Harold Pinter. Pinter I was like, it. what the fuck? That's kind of the most famous one, I think, right? That's Or like the uh, one. Gam- that was the one that he Gambone directed. did one in 2010 oh, right. that was apparently like, it sold out in like five minutes. Yeah, and sure. He, that did, makes well, sense. he did the run and was like, done. Well, yeah. and I, yeah. I think I read the Pinter one too. It was only like seven or eight or nine yeah, performances. Yeah, it was, it was done it was as a special, I think his, for... Beckett's like birthday celebration mm-hmm. or something like that. I and then Pinter like... died two years later, two yeah. years after he did that. Yeah. Uh, I would wow. love to see all the these old white guys. I wonder if there's a. Yeah, my Gambone did it, and he was the one. And Brian Dennehy did it. And Brian Dennehy, yeah, the Den. You saw him in Death of a Salesman, yeah. In London, yep, in two thousand five. The BD, the Brian Dennehy, the he Big Den. He was great. His wife was even Claire Higgins was even better. Uh, so what's after she, what's uh, after craps? I feel like we could talk craps. Yeah, all let me day, do one final. But... Let me do my one final quote, and then I'll. Move all right. On. Uh, How do you manage it? She said, "At your age, I told her I'd been saving up for her all my life." Mm. Uh. Was he Next... talking about jizz? Yeah. <laughs> he and then he revealed his extremely loaded ball sack. Um, <laughs> extremely End loaded ball sack. <laughs> so can I do a digression real quick? Because. Yeah. Is it about extremely loaded ball no, sacks? I don't talk very much about, kind of. I don't talk very much about uh, my, my roommate and good friend, Brian Krasner, friend of the pod. The Krasner. Friend for, to, the for all of us. He's the best. Friend of us. So, like, one of our defaults, like, just like when, like, we need background noise when we're cleaning or whatever, is he puts on, like, ancient aliens, you know, <laughs> which is great because it's just mind candy. And he knows that it pisses me off because yeah. as soon as, you know, they go... You know, is it possible? Is that possible? <laughs> Everything's fucking ancient possible. Ancient astronaut theorists. I'm like, there's no such thing. That's not an official title. You can't get certifications. You just call yourself that. Um, but they'll do like they'll 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 be talking about something. And so my my thing is to to constantly do the heavy metal riff. You know, just like you know, Aztecs are dying. God, <laughs> fuck. Um, 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 we're oh. all so weird. Like it's just weird. Yeah, because nothing matters. Um, <laughs> what are we doing? We're doing happy days. We're waiting for Pado. Ah. Um, get it? Come on. Uh, what's after crap? Is it happy? Well, days? yeah. We should. Well, our next deep dive is happy days, but we should just cover. Um, yeah, because I feel like there's a couple things in between. Yeah, there's 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 other stuff happening. Uh, although I was kind of surprised. I mean, if you look at his whole whole list of everything that he wrote like yeah. it's insane yeah but that there you know there, it's a limited 
amount of plays. Right. Um, but he was so, doing radio and he was doing novels and he was doing. Oh yeah, I wanted to ask you guys: Have either of you um, seen Rough uh, Rough for Theater one or two? I mm-hmm. directed Rough for Theater two. Oh okay. Uh, in college. Um, as a project for my directing class. Uh-huh. Uh, it's really interesting. I, I actually recommend everybody check it out. Um, I need to read it. Yeah, my take on it was that it, it, I think everybody should check it out because I don't think I'm even correct about this. My take on it was that it was the left and right side hemispheres of the brain um, combating, trying to decide uh, like a really basic thing. Mm, hmm. Okay. And that's what we ran with. A lot of people have told me I'm, I'm super f- way off on that. But to me, it's like a person sitting in the middle and then there's a person on the on stage left and a person on stage right. And they each like have a lamp and they're constantly turning off and on mm-hmm. lamps and each other's lamps. And, mm-hmm. and, this, and it becomes about that. But there's just a person in the middle the whole time doing nothing. Really interesting play. Highly recommend it. My take is that it's like about the left and right side hemispheres of Word. your brain. Um, I've never seen it mounted. I haven't yeah. even seen it that there was anybody ever doing it. You right. Well, the it. whole point sort of is that it's a, it's an experiment, right? It's a, he's got a lot of those where it's, yeah. it's just him being like, like acting without words too, where he's like, I'm just going to write down some shit and you're going to, you'll figure it out. Kind of. He's even, he's got a, a few others. Um, I think there's one called rough for film or, or something like that or, or whatever. But, uh, rough for theater one, I think is also like this where it's like, it's literally just instructions. Yeah. It's like, there's a person standing, uh, in the middle of, uh, the room. They are facing exactly 37 degrees to the East. There's Mm -hmm. another person that walks in wearing this exact thing and they walk by with, marching in time to the song uh the saints are marching in mm. played by john philip Sousa. Right. this like it's like it's like just <laughs> instructions on what has to happen there's no dialogue there's no and there's diagrams right there's like actual i have this a whole i should have brought it i have a whole book of just it's just all of beckett's works there's diagrams of like of a circle with like a line through it and he's like okay so this is the exact angle you have to stand from center stage. It's super wow. weird. Wow. But I love it. I'm all about that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I just think it's like it's hard to read. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you're not planning on producing it. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But yeah, interesting stuff. Okay. Next up, after Rough for Theater Two Sorry, I just uh farted. Is uh Ole Bogio. Ole Bogio? Oui? No? Happy days? Yeah. (laughs) My French speaking is slow, but I'll pick it up eventually. It took me a second. (laughs) I, uh, I've, I, my introduction to Happy Days was that I saw it in Los Angeles. You want to know who played it? Yeah. Diane Weist. Oh, you, did you see the, oh, yes. Word. Probably mm, top five shows I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. they, she did that. Ever. They did that at Yale Rep, and then they moved yes. it here, right? It was at Yale Rep, and then I think they even put it up again somewhere yeah, in New Jersey, and, made, and then they brought it. They might it even to, had a Broadway run. Yeah, I think so. And then they brought it to LA just for a short run, uh, maybe two years oh, ago, three well, years ago. I hate you officially now. 
You hate we're, me? Yeah. We're Perfect. gonna end the podcast. Because I, I saw talk to you. I saw her wait, no, and wait. I saw She's Angela Lansbury. I just am enamored Spirit. of her. I've been enamored of her yeah. since I was a child and yeah. saw her in Woody Allen stuff. You know? She's amazing in all in all the Woody Allen stuff. I unfortunately have never seen Bullets Over Broadway. Oh, I still oh, need to see that. Yeah. yeah, it's like one of my it's a big uh gap in my Have you uh, seen Hannah and her sisters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, yeah, I've fir- seen all the first the other Oscar ones. for that. The other thing that I love her in that she wins my uh Supporting actress for that year is Synecdoche, New York. Oh yeah, the Kaufman film. She's fucking. Which, by the way, brilliant. Has a distinct reference to Crap's Last Tape. When in Schenectady. Synecdoche. Schenectady. Synecdoche. Schenectady is the place. The name of the movie is Synecdoche, like the literary term. Oh, have you Synecdoche. watched the new Charlie Kaufman yet? Uh, yeah, in fact, um, that's who. I, that's who I. That's what I was thinking of. That uh, Tullis is in. David oh, is okay. in. Uh, yeah. uh, is he, in. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. He was fantastic in season three of Fargo. Oh yeah, as yeah, the yeah. Evil, yeah. creepy dude. Fantastic. With the fucked up teeth. You're gonna like, love if you liked Fargo. You're gonna uh, the show Fargo. You're gonna love. I'm thinking. Have of you started things. watching the new Fargo yet? No. With Chris Ryan. I haven't watched season They've three. They've been talking about it nonstop on oh. MFM. I haven't watched season three of Fargo. What? So I'm behind. It's, you, you, it's, it's I didn't the love best two. thing you and McGregor's ever done. Oh, okay. I've heard that. I, I didn't love two. Plastic. I didn't love season two. And Jesse season Plemons is okay. like one of my favorite it, actors. Yeah. It, the first one's great. I found, I like the third one a lot. And this new one is, is, is rocking. I'm excited to check it out. Uh, anyway, happy Happy days. days. Yeah. Uh, what is y'all's experience with this? Because I I didn't even reread it because I kind of just keep that performance in my brain. I'm right. just like that's it. Like I that was the one. I'll see it again maybe someday, but it has to be somebody of that level, or I'm not right. going to even go in because yes. it was just breathtakingly good. I think it's his happiest play mm-hmm. in a in a fucked up way because the yeah. basic idea is like, what if you couldn't fall asleep? Yeah. That was like sort of what yeah, yeah, yeah. got him to write. It was like, he what was if you... obsessed with sleep. Sleep yeah. shows up in Endgame a yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and there's a, every time she almost falls like... asleep, the, the bell goes, right? So it's like, that. that's not happy. But I think it's his more optimistic, weirdly, like like, kind of happy play. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think that it's, 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 a, it's a, clearly a turning point for him. Sure. I think it's a turning point for him in terms of, his worldview, I think by this time he's, he's married. He's, you know, he's got that established dual relationship going on. Right. I think he's also started starting to come to terms via, via his therapy right. uh, with, with the conflicts with his mother. And yeah. I think that a lot of stuff gets freed up with that. And I think that he obviously for me anyway, cause I went and started peeking at all those older stuff that he discovered the power of, Having having a woman yeah, uh, as sure. his, as his main voice and yeah. voice piece, and I think in general what he's dealing with, when you speak about his mother and just everything, is memory, right? Yeah. This play, Endgame, and Craps are all about mem. Well, and Godot is about memory, but almost like the loss of memory, yeah, in a weird way. But the Agreed. other three are are fully about memory, right? Yeah. Endgame is about like, well, it used to be this way, so we're gonna keep pretending it is. The second one, uh, make America great again. Uh, the second one is, uh, Crab's Last Tape is fully memory. It's a memory yeah. play yeah. to the most literal T. Mm-hmm. Happy Days is like about a woman kind of living in the memories of the things in her bag. 
mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Right? Those are and, like these little trinkets of, of memory from her life. And she's just like up to her waist and sand, or her neck by the second I in her waist and sand. But she's just like, yes, but life was so great once. Today's a beautiful day. <laughs> just like, woo. And, and, and it's about boredom too. Like, and he finds. They're all about boredom. Well, they're all about boredom or, or waiting. But that he finds this. There's a joy to it. There's a joy at the core to it. Yeah, that he acknowledges is is, is like the, there can be great joy in boredom. There can be great joy in re, re, repetition. Sure, you know, um, but it'll eventually you know drive you mad. I've heard this likened Winnie likened to Hamlet for some we, women. Oh, it's they're I like mean, oh this is my Hamlet. It's got to be as physically and yeah. emotionally and mentally demanding as as any fucking thing. Yeah, I've seen. Yeah, CJ, you had texted me the other night when you were reading it? it or finishing it, and I was like, uh, and I don't mean to, to speak no, for ahead. you, but you 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 said that you felt like it was it was about relationship. Is, is it weird that I think it's a relationship play? Because no. like what I husband. I think the thing that I kept. Yeah. I, and it never says that they're married or they're together. I just made that assumption reading it. They're yeah, they're married. Yeah. P.S. This is this. I read this. That was it. That right. is all I've ever done. I know I've seen pictures of it in theater history books of a woman buried in the sand. And right. I thought like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Um, I think the thing that I kept clinging to was her telling that story of the woman that all of a sudden she was in the sand and the man that was with her helped her dig her dig her out. Yeah. Right. And I think. The reason why I took it as a relationship play is it is a it is a it is an older couple that they don't know how to be with one another even though they've been together forever mm-hmm. and she's she keeps trying she keeps trying to have conversations with him to engage him to talk to him um, and and when he even just gives her a crumb of just paying her attention or saying one word to her it gets her excited. It lifts her up, but you see this relationship that they're in because of them not getting anywhere and his basic inaction. And I'm guessing her talking all the time, annoying the shit out of him. Right. She continues to get buried and buried and deeper and deeper and deeper. So the ending of him actually coming out front and saying her name, I'm like, she's going to get out of the sand. They're going <laughs> to yeah. work this out. Like that's how I read the but play. Of course not. I, I've gone, I've vacillated back and forth between what I think Willie is and what he's all about and what, what he means and what his lack of action means. No. So I think that that's, it's as valid. An I was like, is this feminist? No, Does no, this have a no, feminist ending? You know, because you, that tracks for me, CJ, you know, you, it's, that's where you're at in your life that of course that's, which you 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 would speak to you that right. would, it makes perfect well, sense in, in right. general especially let's talk about like the boomer generation and before uh-huh. there is a lot of, and i mean we're still doing this now i'm not saying this is a fixed part of society but but we still do a lot of that sort of like the comfort like well we got together because it was easy and then we stayed together and then we had kids and then now we're in our 60s. And it was expected. We don't believe it in was, divorce. It was, it was an expectation. Right. It was, expe- it was expected. We're, and we don't believe in divorce because of whatever. And we're blah, blah, blah. And so we just stay together. And it's, it's exactly, it's really interesting where it's sort of like he could, they could be constantly staying on level ground together and, and just taking walks and living in this weird, absurd world. But instead, yes, she's buried mm-hmm. and he just has to fucking deal with her mm-hmm. because she can't even move mm-hmm. because she's so Im- she's immobilized by her own shit because mm-hmm. we all have shit because we're humans right 
And it does pile on without friends and family and, and a partner at some point. I'm not saying a partner is what saves us, but like having another who can help you. That doesn't mean romantically, but who can lift you up and dig you out of the goddamn sand. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have that because they acquiesce to comfort at mm-hmm. one point. And I think if Beckett is this radical resistance fighter, you know, if, he's a, if he is part of the rebellion... He's in Rogue One. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then Favorite Star, Star Wars, Wars movie. Star Wars Rebels. Okay. Just He's a rebel. The season three finale. Season last three finale. Yeah. It's very intense. Can't wait to watch Is it very good? I, that's my next one. I'm going to put on. It's it's good. Yeah. There's a few there's a few uneven episodes, just sure. like Clone Wars, where yeah. it's like ah, I yeah. don't need a, a droid episode. I don't need a yeah. droid episode. <laughs> But, but as they get into the heavier like but it's legit. stuff, it's worth it's watching. great, and there's I'm great all about cameos. And- I'm playing all the Old Republic right now, which is the MMORPG. Mm-hmm. I pay for it every month because it's worth it. It's my new favorite game. I have. The, I'll tell you guys about my characters yeah, off mic. Um, but Samuel Beckett would have been part of the Resistance mm-hmm. in Star Wars, in my opinion, right? Oh yeah. So like, what he's kind of doing with this play is sort of being like, because he's a romantic too. He's like, no, like, go find the person who's going to dig you out of the fucking sand. Mm-hmm. Like, don't end mm-hmm. up like Winnie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not even that. Willie isn't even who he's commenting on, really. No. He's kind of commenting on don't become Will, Winnie. Will, I think, yeah, I think my latest in, interp was Willie is everybody else. Yeah. Willie is the world around her, yeah. not just him. Huh. She's, she's, she, It sucks she, that he can't dig her out, and that's a problem that is uh, you know not to speak gendered but like in a hetero relationship the man normally is the one who lacks the ability to help the woman dig herself out of whatever she's had to deal with in her life mm-hmm. right and because they're just like lazy whatever maybe but i think you're right scott is that it's actually saying like but if no one's helping women which is why i think it's feminist cj mm-hmm. if no one's helping dig them out of the collective trauma that it is, then they are just going to keep piling up and think and, and repressing and thinking everything's fine. And that's kind of what Winnie is. See, you would, you would, you, you, we, in our text exchange, our drunken late night text exchange, you were like, is this feminist? Yes. And I'm like, well, I guess so. But I think that his, what he's doing is, is a step beyond that. Like right. it's, 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 it's genderless. It doesn't matter. It, but in this particular play, it, it needed to be a woman. It needed to be a woman's voice because, and, and to be put in the ult, that ultimate existential philosophically and right. theatrically that, that you're, uh, you're alone in the world up right. to your fucking waist in sand. And you're just, you know, she has some lines that are just like devastating, you know, that it doesn't change, you know, and, and, uh, Nothing to be done. Th- th- it's like th- interesting. Things have a life. To, uh, t- take my looking glass. It doesn't need me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like um, there's a great, fantastic, and I, I brought it up, I think, in the last episode, maybe earlier in this episode. Uh, but I really want to make sure if you haven't had a chance, there's a great interview with Fiona Shaw, who did this uh, at the Lincoln Center, where she did it several places. But Deborah Warner directed it. And the two right. of them have this, have had a lot, like Deborah Warner directed Fiona Shaw and, Fiona Shaw played Richard the Second, hmm. which is my favorite Richard. Everybody goes to the third one, but the second one's my. The histories, the histories are, the are boring ones. as shit. The histories They're are the best boring. ones. Oh, I can't wait till we get to the histories. 
Uh, I can't wait. But the, just the two of them talking about it, and I, I, I'd mentioned that quote where they, they, they both kind of were like, okay, we're going to approach this. We're going to try and figure it out in the process, in, in the room. And like Deborah Warner was like, I'm not going to do an extensive amount of research. And they just talked about the hellscape that it was like literally like going through a desert trying to find water that they couldn't that they would have these moments during the process where they're like i got it we got it okay this is this is what it is and not knowing until the preview what it was Mm. like just being lost Mm. and just going okay well we're going to do it in front of this audience and see if they respond to it and they did they responded gloriously to it um and and she said that that was that was the thing and this gets back to as we end wrap things up here in a second the idea that the audience is as integral i mean in theater of course the audience is integral but i think in beckett it's 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 a very specific relationship with the audience and and until she heard those 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 laughs and that laughter and then as the, she as she went on, she's like, I can I can tell what an audience is. Right. If they're a sophisticated group or if they're more whatever. Yeah. And Ian McKellen said the same thing that he and Patrick Stewart were absolutely kind of bowled over when the laughs started because they were like, oh, because they'd spent so much time and, and, you know, Beckett sort of demands that you spend this time and I'm going to give you these rules. Nope. Here's, you know, mm-hmm. you just look at the opening fucking page of mm-hmm. Happy Days. Well, and also, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want to punch him so bad. And, yeah, said, and, and like, working on this shit. Like, I hate him. I hate him so much. Right. And working on this shit at some point, you're, you do just start being kind of like, is this drivel? Like, are we just, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, and probably start taking it. Especially when it's Beckett, I think it's easy to take it really seriously. Yeah. Like, oh, this is Beckett. So then when you put it on stage and people are like, ah, like going nuts, you're like, oh, oh, right. This is hilarious. But you just said it. We talked about it earlier. The next time I go and do Beckett, yeah. I, I want to do some, some Beckett soon. Like Sitcom it up. Just, yeah. Yeah. Make it you a know, multi-cam like, sitcom. You know, and just... I, when I directed uh, Godot back, back in college, you know, the first thing... I was like, well, I started getting really worried about having friends, friends and family having to sit through it. Right. And like, I'm like, guys, like, let's just lean into the funny. Like, we know that, you know, we know that he was inspired by, you know, vaudeville and, yeah. and silent films. I'm like, so let's let's use that. Um, Speaking of that, he made a film for Buster Keaton. Yeah. Film called film. Yeah. Which he calls an interesting failure. Yeah. Because it just didn't. Like do anything. It's 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 uh, when you read the story because I've done extensive Buster Keaton research for well that play I did here at the Pasadena Playhouse, right? But like it's it's a it's the don't ever meet your heroes kind of situation, like where where Beckett was like I get to meet Buster Keaton, yeah, and Buster, but an old Buster Keaton. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, like what? Do you have a cigarette? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like they bond, they eventually connected over cigarettes. Right. Like of all fucking things. Interesting. Like they just smoked together to like, That's they all bond. I, I had two logistical questions about Happy yeah. Days. Yeah. Um, all of the stuff written in the script, the pauses, the arrest motion, the, all that stuff. Did Beckett write that in there? Yeah. The That's pauses all the instructions. Make me insane, he was but working... you guys know how I feel about theater full of pauses yeah i mean this goes back to my 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 thesis that he's not a playwright these aren't plays these are performances and the i think it rides the cusp between 
um, modern performance art and, and theater, which is yeah. fine. And he was a control freak. <laughs> and he's when he as he started to get it, it, into directing, I he think he directed that while he wrote. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. also a pause fiend. It's like so interesting that you're not super into it because I'm like, if you can t- if you can tell me something without any words, like in a pregnant pause, I'd prefer that. Yeah. In a play. You know what I mean? That's great. I yeah, I agree. I agree with that. But I guess my and maybe it's just the last couple of years. Maybe it's the type of theater I've been doing. But for me, the whole pause thing, you in any show, you have three moments where you take a big, long pause. Right. Otherwise, well, I know we've discussed about it. Otherwise, people just don't talk like that. People, And I'm talking about realism and modernism, though, I guess. Sure. Which I mean, it, isn't it, the same you know, as this. Yeah, it's how you, it's, it's, you have to, you, you have to be acting and playing those pauses, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think... But it goes back to the Lucky speech. It goes back to Lucky's monologue. He starts to become obsessed with this notion about blurting, uh, connecting to that that inner monologue in your head, the one that's constantly going, the one that firing at all cylinders at all times. And so Godot only works, in my opinion, is if as soon as they start talking, they go a mile a minute until that pause tells you to pause right Right. and and that's he's it's the rapidity of thought and and getting those thoughts out there and but then on the opposite end you have like annie baker with like the flick where that thing is it's three hours because of the pauses Mm -hmm. but when you think about it how many jobs have you worked where you were in constant awkward sort of like, do we talk? Should yeah. we talk? Right. Do that we, makes I guess total we sense won't. to me. And it gives you that feel. Or like or and then like Pinter uses them, I think, in the in the way and why we say like the Pinter pause. Because his is all about, like you were saying, you know, uh, giving it the pregnant sort of feeling of everything that's already surrounding what they're talking about or the subtext or whatever it is. But you're right. If you're just using it to use it if you're just like and we're now we're living in the pause <laughs> dramatically yeah I, yeah I agree I've I just been shit. in and worked on so many shows where I'm like if you if if people would just pick up their fucking cues but that's this different. show would be 10 but times better cues is different. Shorter. But, but that's when you're talking about that's different. weak actors I'm, yeah. I'm not saying bad actors I'm uh-huh. saying weak actors who don't normally do it who don't understand you're talking about different. pace you're talking about you're pace. talking about pace. I'm and talking about like you're, and you're not, and you're not purposeful wrong. pausing. I I understand that. I understand that. Um, <laughs> I understand but the that's difference. All? <laughs> I understand the difference. I, um, I, I my other logistical question is how how do you do the body in the sand? Like how how is that built on a set? It depends. In the how have you how have y'all seen it done? I, I guess. saw it, I saw it done at. It's the Stratford Festival in Canada. Uh-huh. And I forget... Uh, That's what Slings and Arrows is based on. Yes, oh, exactly. Okay. And that appeared to... Be, I, the only way I could figure it out was that it looked like she crawled up underneath it, that it's lifted slightly high, that she crawled up underneath it and then came out through it, and that they had like some sort of elastic that went around that made it look like she was really buried and then maybe they added some stuff. So you just build it and you know, you bury or you, you don't you cut bury. a hole in your stage. You, you just know, you, build you have, something. The actress has to get out. You can't strap them in. The, that breaks all kinds of labor laws. Yeah. <laughs> but, I was just curious. Cause I just, yeah. 
I should she, look she at some more pictures to, of to get different out productions. Because I was just kind of baffled by that, how that would work. That brings up an interesting segue. We still got a few minutes here. The, the imagery, the, the simple, dramatic imagery of each of his shows, the, the empty space of Godot and a tree, um, you know, a man over, lingering over a desk, at, you know, de- dealing with the tape, the, the image of a woman buried up to that she can't move and the relationship with the audience that has to, that's watching this woman who can't move and how dramatic those, those ideas are. The starkness two, of the end game and the two and, men with a bowler, with bowler hats and a moon and a tree. Yes, yes. Yes. Which by all the those, way, I need the, a bowler hat now. I've seen so many bowler hats this last week. I really want a nice one. Yeah. I, I've always wanted to order Like there's a, there's a few like haberdashers in England where you can get like <laughs> actual, like, Fancy, oh, yeah. I would, you know, you shell out a couple hundred dollars for a really nice one, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys want to do our ratings? Yeah. I'll Let do me it hear right. all four from four to one. What are your rankings? Oh, this Scott. is brutal. Yeah. Four is Endgame. Wow. Three wow. is Happy Days. Okay. Two is Craps. Okay. And one is Gato. Wow. We are very different, my friend. Yeah, it's all right, CJ. And we'll, and you know what's funny and what'll be awesome is that when we have this conversation in five years, yeah, and all of those completely, <laughs> it'll be completely different. Yeah. Yeah, 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 Siege. Four is craps. Three is Endgame. Two is waiting for Godot, and uh, one is Happy Days. Groovy. Godot is number two. Yes. Okay. Number four for me. Uh-huh. Craps. Uh-huh. Three Godot. Two Happy Days. <gasps> one. Endgame is my favorite. Wow. I he thinks it's his masterpiece. Love it. And I love it. I love all yeah. of it. There's you are no, Beckett there's reincarnated. No I am Beckett reincarnated. <laughs> See, it all comes back around. No, I really, I just really love it. I think it's I and I've never seen it. Again, I've never seen it on stage. So that's oh. interesting to me that you y'all have. Yeah. So maybe I won't like it when I see it. No, but I it's don't. one of those that I'm just like, fuck, I want to get my hands on that. I yeah. want to do it. I want to be in it. I want to play ham. Oh. It's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. I, I, th- there's nothing wrong with any of them. You just made That's me the do, problem. You made me rank them. No, I know. I know. There's nothing wrong with any of them. Well, I just and, think if and, I had to, yeah. That was the most exciting thing about this f- for me was like, like so many of our stuff that we've, we've gotten into in, in doing this series going, oh, okay, well, I got, we got to get, I got to do the Beckett now. And, right. And then going, holy shit, yeah. Sam Beckett. Like, That's kind of what happened dude. with Miller. Remember, we yes, were like, ah, yeah, fucking, we well, let's like, get Miller out of the way, second episode. And then we were all like, Incident at Fiji? Like what are we doing? This stuff is great. Amazing. Um, um, yeah, uh, okay. Dream roles. Minor, I, I mean, I want to play Ham. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would love to, um, it, it might be fun to play, uh, you know, like the husband and um, Willie yeah. in Happy Days or something. I'm not correct for the part but that might be fun uh and then i'd, I'd love to play lucky i think that's my ultimate beckett oh, right dream on. role lucky. um estragon for me go go yeah. i want to play go go specifically i want to play go go yeah um i love then it. craps i want to do craps yeah i really want to do that play. let's record you now we and do, do it, it in we'll two decades right. yes I'll produce. Um, Hell yeah. And then Ham. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I totally get ham it. Would be fun. I'd love to do Clove, too. I'm not right for it. But the thing about Beckett, is too, is you don't have... There's very few yeah. character descriptions right. 
Winnie is a woman in her 50s. Yeah. She could be black. She could be fat. She could right. be skinny. She could be anything. little person. Yeah, and same with Endgame. Matter. I think Endgame could be anybody. I think um, we get it in our heads after like a production yeah. you know, or a filmed production. We're like, ah, so Clove must look exactly like a Tim Burton, Jack Skellington. Right, right, right. Yeah. You know, like John Goodman. You know, John Goodman's done Godot. And, yeah. You know, you, you can That'd play cool. around. I would love to so see that. Else. John Goodman? Ugh. John him. Goodman is, is Dan. Vladimir, I think. You remember when John Goodman was in that movie that he didn't get any like Oscar love for at all called um, uh, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yeah. Oh, he's amazing in that. Yeah. He is. No, he is. That and Big Lebowski, I think, are like he, uh, two of the most perfect performances of all time. Ironically, both he and Thulis are in that. And I think they're both yeah. two of the most. High. Yeah. Um, I've been rewatching Community. And John Love Goodman's community. got a reoccurring weird role. Yeah, he's as the, the plumber. I mean, the, the AC air, air, and air conditioning. Yep, school. Brilliant. Uh, and he's brilliant. Great art. He's got the he's got the ponytail. Yes, it's he's hilarious. He's got the braided ponytail. Is like and the oh goatee. my god. No, I absolutely agree. With uh, CJ, well, CJ rolls. I'm not allowed, but I I was interested in Clove. I'm really interested in the no, super. No, I don't uh, think that's true for stuff. Endgame. I don't think that's true for Endgame. I think Endgame. it's true I think for Godot. I think it's oh. specific. Oh, Godot yeah. specific. Okay. Yeah. So Clove and then Winnie. I mean, the thought of doing yeah. a role like that gives me hives. Yeah. Uh, but. Yeah, it's role. a Hamlet sized role. You know, it's it's Jean Valjean. It's. Well, you've just got no one up there to rescue you either. Right. And it's right. a lot of repetition and it's very. I mean, it's also think, kind of nice. It's like, well, I can say anything. No one would know. <laughs> I've heard some horror stories, like some Eugene O'Neill, like, where the fuck are we? No. Where are we? Where yeah. are we? I was no. in a play called uh, Inspecting Carol, which is like uh, basically the exact same story as the inspector general or whatever. Oh, right. You know. Sure. But it's uh, people putting on a play at an uh, old regional theater and they're trying to put up a Christmas carol, but it's a new version of it. And all of the actors have had their hands on it. Ah. So it's like this really weird fucked up Frankenstein script, <laughs> but they've changed it so many times and given the lead actor so many different pages that on opening night he can't remember shit. Oh, and no. there's a reviewer there. <laughs> and so, and I played uh, Scrooge. And he's like way too young for the part and everything. And uh, I come on and I actually forgot my line and just stood there for like a really long time. And then people just started laughing. And I was like, oh, this works. This is fine. And then I walked off and then uh, a cue got called too early. And so somebody came out way too early. And like the whole ending is the play falling apart. That's the whole joke. But literally our play fell apart. Have you like, seen that show, that, that British show? The Play Gone Wrong? Yeah. Yeah, Play That Goes Wrong. Yeah, it yeah. was that, but it was actually happening. <laughs> oh, shit. It was actually happening right in front of me, and it was the scariest fucking thing on the planet. So do you guys have any other thoughts? Are there any other... Uh... No. I need I would, more time with Beckett. I would like to... Uh, we'll revisit sometime, yeah. I want to direct Endgame yeah. at some point. I Same. want to direct Happy Days at some point. Um, and I'm terrified to move on to I don't think Kane. I want to direct... Godot again. I just want to act in it. Yeah. I would also play Pazzo in it. Ooh, you'd be a good Pazzo. would be cool, yeah. Yeah. Um, do we have any L.A. Theater spotlights? Um, yeah, I got this thing coming up. There's this uh, L.A. Digital Theater Festival um, thing, and I'm a bastard because I didn't write everything down. But, we'll put the uh, info in the notes. Um, show yeah, notes we'll, we'll put the info in there. But basically, it's all the theaters um, in Los Angeles right now are... Um, um, let me see what it's, uh, it's together LA. It's a virtual stage festival. Um, I'm in the sacred fools. Um, uh, basically these are all 10 minute digital shorts. I'm doing a piece called fake spear, 
um, which is you know a group of actors trying to do a Zoom Shakespeare, and um, I play the annoying dude who's like uh, eating breakfast, waiting for his lines to come. And fun, it's fun, it's fun. But all the theater companies in LA are doing it. Um, money is being raised to keep us alive. Um, that's the big stuff um, that I have right now, and. Um, yeah, thanks. Amazing. You got anything else, CJ? No. You, you catching frogs on Harry no, Potter I'm not. over there? I was texting someone about Bob Berdella. Uh That sounds exciting. Thank you <laughs> so much for joining us. This is the end of our mini series, Waiting for Putto, the uh, Samuel Beckett mini series. We'll be back next week to discuss the works of Sarah Kane. I'm terrified. I'm terrified. That's going to be really fun. It's a really intense discussion that we'll be having. Oh, and a perfect October Just one. in perfect time for, for October, Halloween. Halloween time. Uh, and then after that, we're doing our next sixth topic, which is movie musicals yeah, with Pamela Quinn. For something completely yes. different. Huh? For something completely yeah. different and from for, Kane. <laughs> so different from Kane, you won't even be able to believe it. Uh, we're doing that, and we'll tell you, uh, maybe next episode we'll reveal what movies, what movie musicals we'll be doing, because yeah. we already decided, and it's really we, exciting. We did decide. Uh, and then... After that, we haven't announced this yet. The next thing, and we're actually going to have a guest for it, which is pretty exciting. Uh-huh. Uh, we haven't discussed this so much, but I, I'm pretty sure we all agreed that after that, we will be doing Paula Vogel, <gasps> How I Learned to Podcast, How I learned to with our good podcast. friend, Natalie Nicole Dressel. Yes, uh, we just had a birthday, right. by the way, and uh, has met Paula Vogel. And worked with her in a workshop and uh, has been uh, ju- adjudicated by her and spent time with her and, oh, and things like that. That's the 10 cent word of the show. That's you, right, adjudicated. adjudicated. And uh, 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 N- uh, Natalie's girlfriend, Sophia, and I went to a Paula Vogel uh lecture one time together early on in our relationship before I even really knew Natalie. And then I found out that Natalie already knew her. And I was like, well, I'm not nearly as cool as you. So we're going to bring on the coolest person alive. Thank you uh, to Pamela Quinn for the song that we're going to play for you, as well as uh, Ryan Thomas Johnson. <gasps> you got mm-hmm. it. You for got it. our incredible theme song. Yeah. Uh, we love you. We love you. Yes. Wear a mask. Be safe. Yeah. Don't let your Vote. Don't let your guard down. Vote. Vote. Oh, yeah. Get there and Vote. register. Um, you know. Get registered uh, if you're not. It matters right Vote. now Vote more early. than ever. So much love. We'll talk to you guys later. Uh, go support some theater. Check out Playhouse Live. Uh, I don't know. Don't take do Zoom theater. Take your pants off. Yeah, take your pants off and stop it's doing hot. Zoom it's, theater. It's 100 degrees right now in yeah. LA. Fuck so the sun. I hate we the can sun totally so take No more Zoom theater. Peace. Memory all alone in the moonlight. Are you tall or are you wise? Will you be in disguise? Are you smart or are you dumb? Are you the one to hear my cries? Waiting, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you. Day, maybe by nightfall.
tell me I've won, then I'll be done with waiting, just Come through, but boy, if you do, I can stop waiting.